Today's episode is called Wake Up Call, featuring guest Sandra Kornblatt. Sandra Kornblatt has a noble cause. She simply wants you to get a pleasant night's sleep. After months of battling chronic insomnia with melatonin, magnesium, exercise, and a collection of various teas to no success, the future seemed bleak for her. Sandra, how well did you sleep last night? How well did I sleep last night? That is such a great question. I had to use all my tools yesterday. I usually use them, but I had that sort of not sleeping well and I had to remind myself I'm going to rest and move into letting go of where my mind was heading because it was not helping me and um, I ended up sleeping pretty well it's not always a slam dunk is it no no sometimes you have good nights and not good nights yep what was your sleep like when you were growing up that's also a question I ask my clients and that's also a very good question my sleep was fine you know, I didn't I didn't notice I, I know that some of my clients have issues even when they were growing up, but I mean I think I was scared to go to sleep and scared of whatever I was scared about got bigger at night, but it didn't necessarily interfere with my ability to sleep once I got there. Right. I know that like some for most kids, like sleeping isn't really an issue until until you get much older. Right. And you start having things like phones, get distracting people with their sleep. Yeah, you know, I think that for some people it's chemistry. You know, they can't sleep well. I think some people, there is a sense of trauma in their childhood that keeps them from feeling safe about sleeping. Those two things are real. But for most people, those issues about sleep don't emerge until phones. But I think even before phones, the stress of being a teen and hormones can knock sleep for a loop, as it were. You've made a career out of specializing in insomnia. What inspired you to learn more about insomnia and make a career out of it? I had a horrible case of insomnia. I had chronic insomnia. It just felt to me like it came out of the blue. I couldn't sleep three to five to seven nights out of the week. I mean, I I don't say seven because usually after a couple of nights of not sleeping well, I'd sleep the, the next night. But it was in the middle of the night, I would just wake up and nothing I tried helped. And I ended up, I've always been a big, one of my big values is basically personal growth, trying to become a better person. And I had two young kids at the time and I had no time to practice any of those things during the day. And I realized I got time at night, you know, it's like, what else am I doing? So I started to practice some of the tools that had been taught me and I found that I moved into a place of rest, deep rest, you know, that really sort of like you kind of know you're in bed, but it doesn't matter. You have thoughts that don't matter. Emotions don't matter. And I found that the next day I felt much better. And so I spent that long bout of insomnia understanding the value of rest and how to get there. And that's how my program was born. The value of rest How would you differentiate the difference between deep rest and sleep? Both are essential. You know, it's a very interesting thing to talk about rest. People talk about sleep like it's a thing that you could like, if you could buy it at the grocery store, you would just buy it and have it. But it's a process. And it's a process that starts with your body resting and letting go. So deep rest, I think, is the beginning of sleep. 
but it also is a distinction from sleep. It's not quite as deep or unconscious or your dreams aren't quite as intense. But what I talk to people about is that you can't make yourself sleep. You know, you cannot chase sleep because the more you chase it, the more it runs away. Like if you had a cat and the cat ran out your front door and you went screaming after it, it would not come back into your house, right? So, but you can help yourself rest, which helps your body, helps your emotions, helps your hormones, helps your thoughts, helps your health, and it welcomes sleep. So that's the path for people to help people instead of, why aren't I sleeping yet? Of like, well, how can I move more deeply into rest and open the door for sleep to come in? Process into sleep is just that. It's a, it's a process. Yeah, it is a process. So going into, into rest and then going into sleep. For people who, who say work late at night and then go to sleep, they may experience troubles going to sleep after being so active during the day and during the night. Yeah. You know, we live in a very strange culture. The more we have lights and stimulation late at night, the less we get in touch with our bodies and what our bodies need. And then we sort of demand our bodies do things when we haven't really set the stage for them to make that happen. Our relationship with technology, I mean, technology is so enticing. No, it's just like, come on, look at me, maybe somebody loves me, maybe somebody will say something interesting, come on, you know, and it's it's hard to put down, but our bodies need to put it down and to find out who else we are and allow ourselves to move into that place of letting go. What do you think are the main barriers to allowing people to have restful sleep? Well, I think we talked about one, not only technology, but our attachment to a technology. Let me back up a minute. I developed the seven pathways to rest to address just that issue. Because what I found was that rest seemed great. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna rest here. And you go, I'm resting, I'm resting. And you're really not resting. So I looked at the seven pathways, which are your relationship to sleep and rest. Because if you're watching the clock and demanding that you sleep, you're not resting. Your relationship to your environment. We have some control over our environment, but it's often not perfect so how do we move into rest even when it's imperfect given limitations we have as people i mean i couldn't sleep through it you know next to a fire engine house probably what is our relationship to our bodies because oftentimes we treat our bodies like second-class citizens we expect our bodies to do what we want but we don't really give them very much attention what's our relationship with our minds our minds can drive the bus and feel like they're running the show, but we're more than our minds. So how can we accept that our mind is doing what it's doing and not let it direct ourselves? Our relationship with emotions, because emotions feel so true and real and valid, and they really are just a perspective. So how do we have a relationship to whatever our emotions want to teach us or tell us, again, without necessarily having them dictate what the reality is? And then our relationship with something bigger than ourselves, because we think we're in it alone, but really we have friends, we have family, we have a connection with nature, a connection with something spiritual if we go that path. And then the last is what's our connection to our true self, our sense of purpose, where we are. And all of those things, if we get stuck in one option and that option doesn't work, can keep us from rest. So I help people develop 
many different options to be able to look at those things so that they can allow themselves to let go and help themselves rest and welcome sleep. So how does the, the seven pathways to, to rest work? Is it if one doesn't work, you can try another one or do you have to go through all of, all seven? That's a great question. So when I work with people, we go through all seven so they know what they are. And then at the end of working with them, we develop what I call a lullaby, which is your own personal way of looking at these options, remembering particular tools that worked well. And that lullaby can change over time, but it's it's a grounding place where people can start to have a pattern of what they do when they can't rest. So for me last night, when I didn't sleep very well, the first thing I did was offer some appreciation, appreciation for what I'd done during the day, because it's so easy to remember what I hadn't done, a sense of really heartfelt gratitude, and then looking at, I was my intention was to rest, not to have to sleep. I changed, I did some things to change my relationship with my body. I moved some things so my emotions weren't running the show. I looked at what I wanted to do the next day. I had a tool for my mind. And then if I was still not quite moving as rest, I just did it again. And by the middle of the second time, it was like, wait, what was I doing? I'm sleeping now. Like, as you were saying before, like, sleep is a process that starts with, with rest. Yeah. Yeah. There was a study published last year in the Journal of Sleep Medicine that found that there was a 37% increase in the rates of clinical insomnia during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Sleep disturbance was in response to the global major stressful event. Is this something that that you've you've noticed in the city that you're in? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, it's global. One of the things that keeps people up is that hyper-awareness of if you're okay or not. The sort of hyper-awareness if your family and friends are okay, feeling that life has changed, so what your expectation for the next day or the next month or the next year is off, so your mind starts trying to solve a problem that may not even be showing up yet, and that, that sense of isolation. We get so much from hugs and connecting to people and just free-form talk. It's like oh, the gardener, you know, not the gardener, the mailman came by and dropped off this weird piece of mail. Maybe nothing of importance, but somehow having someone know that about you can release that sense of just isolation and make you feel connected. So all of those things impact your ability to sleep. Definitely. Even people's just spending more time indoors. Um, they're not getting yes. that, that sunlight. You are right. Sunlight and exercise. Would you be able to say more about that? Yeah. I mean, our bodies are set up to be in response to nature. I'm sure you've heard about melatonin, right? So that's a restful hormone or a sleep hormone, depending on who you talk to. Our neogland, I believe it is, puts out melatonin when it gets dark. So when we lived in a time that didn't have artificial lights all the time, when it got dark, our bodies would start pumping out some melatonin. And then when the sun rose, it was like, okay, no more melatonin. Let's get going. So we are set to be connected with light and dark. We're set to be connected with the nature. And we try to create our own environment that doesn't reflect that. And we wonder why we're feeling off. It's, well, we're missing something. And exercise stimulates our body, stimulates the hormones, stimulates our microbiome and our bodies 
in our gut. Um, and all of those things can help us sleep and rest much better. We've spoken a lot about getting to sleep. How does a person stay asleep? So we naturally have sleep cycles that can run. They're not set in stone, but anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours. And oftentimes people will wake up and feel like because they're awake, either they have to go pee or because their natural sleep cycle is less, they think, oh my gosh, I'm awake, I should be asleep. Well, it's natural that you have that lighter sleep time. And the question is, what do you do with that lighter sleep time? Do you follow your mind and your mind says, oh, we got stuff to do, we better get going? Or do you return your focus to rest and allow sleep to come again? Because really, a lot of my clients struggle with middle of the night waking and they feel frustrated because they, they, they don't have enough rest and not enough sleep the next day. So it's a similar process to going to bed, but it really is allowing yourself to accept, okay, you got awake a little bit, but you can return to that sense of in your body, in your heart, in that sense of what your body really wants at this point is to not get up and not to think a lot and not to do a lot. There's a sense of self-compassion there, knowing that you may not be able to sleep right now, but then eventually it'll more than likely be able to happen. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with you. People blame themselves a lot for not sleeping, especially the question you asked at the beginning. You know, it's like, what was your sleep like as a child? People are like, I slept great as a child. What's wrong with me now? It's like, nothing's wrong with you bodies change and your ability to adapt to them needs to change, but you didn't do anything wrong. What are the repercussions if someone doesn't get good sleep? Well, let's see. You name it, it's probably there. <laughs> sleep is a miracle as far as I'm concerned. It cleans your brain. So let's just start with Alzheimer's and, and ongoing diseases, which is not necessarily the most immediate. But even without the most immediate thing, your brain has so much information from the day. Our nervous systems are so overstimulated. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's just does not make sense how overstimulated we're expected to manage all the time. Sleep helps us sort through what do we need to pay attention to? What can we put in long-term memory? What can we let go of for now? So that's just a simple piece so that the next day you're more capable of functioning because you've put the yesterday's things in place. You're opening literally with a clean slate. Sleep helps you renew your, your autoimmune system. So we're talking about COVID, you know, and just that ability. It's, it helps us digest food. It puts out hormones so that the fat regulation is better managed. It helps our hormones stay in balance. It helps us think better helps our emotions stay regulated. The thing is that's really interesting is that rest offers a lot of those abilities as well. It helps reduce depression, reduce anxiety. There is a magic of sleep. I will not say that, that rest is the gourmet meal that sleep is. You know, it's that there's something magic about dreams. Do you remember your dreams ever? Not always, but I know that they do occur. But aren't they interesting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's some magic there. You know, it's like people have tried to explain it a lot, and I'm sure there's some great explanations. But I think that there's a mystery there that's that's wonderful, that I think really does help us function in the world, stay connected to something that's beyond our mind and our daily lives of just, even if we don't remember our dreams, we're having them. 
You know, our minds are just awash with that that brainwave that helps us just renew. We need sleep. And I don't mean that from the medical finger pointing kind of way, you know, you better sleep, which really keeps people awake. But our bodies need that balance. Life is about balance. And if we don't know how to balance with sleep and letting go and not staying in charge all the time with our mind and what we have to do, we don't live a life that's really worth living. We're living a life that's all about getting something done for somebody else or for our paycheck or for some for what things look like. It helps our heart to sleep. And I don't mean just our heart function, but our sense of compassion and our sense of being present people. I know that when I don't sleep properly, I am not me. And I feel like I could be so much better when I've slept and I'm rested. Exactly. Exactly. Do you find the same with yourself? You don't sleep properly? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've on the times that I don't sleep properly, I feel like I'm just not there completely. And I, that's what my clients tell me. You know, it's like you're just not there because there's some deeper peace about just, again, having that balance, being more aligned. You know, it's like when, when I had that chronic insomnia, I was definitely not mother of the year. You know, I was cranky. I was more emotional. I was more anxious. Um, I would forget things. And what that started to create is that sense that I, I couldn't be who I was, which only made going to sleep even more stressful because it's like, I have to sleep. But there was definitely something missing, definitely something missing. And I could pinpoint it as anger or forgetting things, but there was something, that sense of just being a mom instead of being a mom, that makes sense. It seems like there's this vicious cycle, not enough sleep, stress, and then the stress perpetuates the lack of sleep. The work I do, you know, I help people with both stress and sleep issues because those things really do go hand in hand. If you're hyped up, it's really hard to, to sleep. And we also get hyped up during the day. You know, so learning how to better manage some of those things can really make a difference, not just at night, but also in how we are with ourselves when we're doing things that matter. Definitely. I know that we've had an Olympics year, a lot of athletes use sleep to improve their athletic performance, like a natural way to improve their athletic performance. You might see some of them sleeping like more than eight hours, some of them sleeping like 10 hours. Yeah. Sleep, you know, my daughter is, used to be an ultimate player, ultimate Frisbee. She played world championships in Australia and also in Germany. Now she plays disc golf. I've learned a lot about the value of sports in terms of, in some ways, leading people to really understand what functioning better means. It's like sports people don't practice every single day, they need a rest day. And really, sports people are really leading the idea of sleep being incredibly functional to your performance. Because we live in a very top-down culture where our minds are so important and what we get done is so important. But I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit, but you have to really have that sense of duality or paradox of like, you need that flow of on and off in order to continue. You can't just go like this all the time and not think that you're gonna fall. You can't do that as a human being. We need that sense of renewal and the mystery that sleep has and rest. Sleep is equally as important as eating and breathing. Yeah, 
I mean, I think that in that ranking, what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, but basically you will live longer without eating than you will without sleeping. Breathing will put up there at the top of the list, but um, <laughs> you just can't function well without sleep. Your whole systems go haywire. I've been curious to know, like, how did we know to sleep? Was that something that we had to be taught? Or was it something that was built into us? Babies in utero sleep, so I don't think they had to be taught. I think that when I was pregnant, you could tell when a baby was awake and asleep. And in fact, that's one of the issues with trying to get babies to sleep is that what gets them to sleep is movement. So they would sleep during the day. And then at night when you're not moving, they're like, hey, what's going on? Babies in utero have, I think, spend like 90% of their time in REM sleep, which makes me really wonder, what are they dreaming about? You know, it's just like an amazing mystery. And I think that, why is there night? There's night, there's day, it doesn't have to be taught. There's a different sense of being in the world. You know, we are part of nature as much as we kind of look at nature as being other and that, we're a part of it. Mm. You mentioned before that babies sleep 90% of the time. REM. Yeah, REM. REM 90% of the time. And take that with a grain of salt. I have to look it up to make sure that that's true. Anyway, we'll check yeah. that. <laughs> no idea what what they're dreaming about for everyone else what purpose do dreams serve i have heard that dreams serve a very practical purpose that they help us make sense of what we have experienced during the day and they're just sort of brain waves that happen that doesn't do much for me i mean i've started writing down my dreams when I remember them and I have found interesting repeating dreams. I, I've been part of a dream work clinic where you look at each part of the dream as a part of yourself. And I think that dreams help us get integrated with our emotions, with our thoughts, with other people in the world. And depending on how you look at the world, you know, they could be something spiritual. I think that Many indigenous populations really look at the value of dreams as being messages from other other realms. I've known people who've had dreams about ancestors who died and then their parents who are dying talk about those ancestors with the same exact thing of building a house, come, come in the house. And it's like, okay, who am I to know? <laughs> I mean, I just think that I just value the mystery. You know, I mean, I, we also come from a culture where it's like we have to know everything. And I think that dreams are just fascinating how different people have different dreams, different recurring dreams. So I used to dream that I was on a giant airplane and I was on a balcony on top of the airplane as it was flying in a city that had skyscrapers in it. So it was pretty scary. I was standing on, on the balcony outside and I did something that was really helpful with dreams, which is redreaming bad dreams. Have you ever heard that? No. Tell me more about that. So if you wake up from a bad dream, one of the things that can be really useful is to just go back into the dream, back into yourself, remember the dream and imagine some feature or force or something to change the dream to make the dream turn out the way you want it to. So for me, it was some kind of superhero or, uh, you know, I made the dream have flip up 
the airplane have flip up wings or I sent it to a different place. And after a while, that dream stopped recurring. It's a matter of just bringing your conscious mind back in the picture and doing it. The conscious mind loves to solve problems and letting the conscious mind help you and your unconscious mind work together to resolve whatever problem was coming up. Never heard about that one before. Redreaming bad dreams. Mm-hmm. Redreaming your dreams. And it comes back to that whole idea of of stress where people can't sleep because they're stressed or they're fearful about not getting enough sleep because of what might happen to them. Right. Yeah, and stress is so interesting because it feels so real. You know, one of the things that I talk about is that If I said to you, Martians are landing, you'd be like, yeah, whatever, right? But if you had just seen a really scary movie and you, someone said Martians were landing for a moment, you'd be like, maybe they are. Because when we have a thought and our bodies are having a physical reaction, that thought feels more true. So when we're stressed and our adrenaline is hyped and our blood pressure is high and our heartbeats are high, Whatever it is that we're thinking about feels like that might happen. So when my daughter was learning to drive, I asked her to text me when she left somewhere and text me when she got somewhere. She said, sure, mom. Well, she's a teen. That didn't happen. And what would go on for me is, well, she must have been in an accident. It's like, so then I would feel like, no, she wasn't. It's like, well, she must have been in an accident. Let me check. So I'd look on my phone or look on the computer and look for accidents and there was no accidents and it's like okay it's I'm better there's no accidents and then it would be like I must be having an intuition it's like my body would not let go of the feeling that this thought was true in some ways and so for me dealing with stress means honoring that you have thoughts that feel true honoring that you have a body reaction and so how do you pull apart your thoughts and your body reaction so that you can reduce that escalation where instead of them building each other up, it's like you can start to lower one and then lower the other. Your anxiety does not want to be lowered. Your anxiety wants to keep going. So you really have to be cognizant and aware of the choice that you are just doing it for a nanosecond, just for a moment. You're not telling anxiety it doesn't make sense because anxiety makes sense to you. But that's not the only thing to focus on. And so if you can learn how, and it is possible, to reduce your your heartbeat, reduce your breathing rate, those thoughts will start to match where your body is as well. Our brains are really designed to keep us alive and not to make us happy. Exactly. That's very well said. Yeah, the survival mechanism is really the one that they're they're most involved with. As we come towards the end of our episode, I've got a few remaining questions that I ask every guest. Excellent. What does living healthier today mean to you? Hmm. Living healthier today actually to me means being more in touch with the earth, more in touch with the fact that we are part of the earth. So caring for the earth connecting to other people to care for other people and to care for ourselves, but to really change the view that we're in it for ourselves, that we're all in it together, and to really respond to what we think we would need if we were more in touch with the earth, 
So if we were living outside, we'd probably be moving more, resting more, and eating more of the food that the earth gave us instead of factories gave us. And you've come a long way from the time that you were 18 to where you are now. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? I would give my 18-year-old self a hug and say, oh, sweetie, you're having such a hard time. I totally get it. I would say to my 18-year-old self to notice how you care for people and for others in the earth, and that will carry you a lot farther than trying to think it through. It is the common theme amongst the guests that they want to be healthy so that they can show up better for other people. Yeah, it makes sense. We are connected. Exactly. We're not in our own little cocoons. And the COVID pandemic had, had really shown how, how connected we all are. Yes, exactly. 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 Is there any last remaining things you would like to share? Well, one is just a little bit about my work, if that's okay. I work with people all over the world. If people are interested in learning more, I have a free ebook and a audio their first steps to deeper rest and it's on my website restfulinsomnia.com so that's that i love working with people i mean it just people come to me so stressed out from sleeping and to, for them to feel like they have some power back instead of not following the rules right that's really fun and i would encourage people to just look at being kind to themselves we come from a culture which feels like the finish line is always moving you know, and we're like, yay, I climbed this mountain, but oh no, I have to climb another mountain. No, I have to climb another mountain to just really appreciate what you've done and to treat yourself with kindness, including if you're imperfectly healthy and you do things that are imperfect instead of berating yourself for doing that, which last I checked doesn't work as well, is to just say, okay, I did that and today, I want to rest more. I want to eat foods that my body likes. I want to move more. But just again, doing it with a sense of kindness instead of that finger shaking at us. Yes. Medical disapproval. And internal disapproval that we just take in. Fantastic. Do you have any questions for me? How is your sleep? Surprisingly well. I, I wanted to sleep well last night because I knew I was going to have these conversations with guests. I wanted to show up as best as I can for my guests. Good. And what's your favorite thing to do that is healthy? Favorite thing to do that is healthy. Or not healthy. What's your favorite thing to do? My most favorite thing to do that's healthy is meditating every day. I use the Headspace app, not sponsored. And so that's helped me get a routine around meditating and stress management. Yeah, and I think one of the key pieces about meditating is remembering that your mind is not driving the bus. Exactly. And that's really important to do. When almost all hope seemed lost, Sandra serendipitously came across the concept of deep rest, which alas, has helped her conquer her own sleepless nights. She soon found purpose as a certified sleep coach, utilizing techniques such as visualization, meditation, and restful insomnia Sandra now dedicates her life to helping the restless conquer their own sleep problems. Share this podcast with one person who you think would benefit from it. Leave a rating and review of the Healthy Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. Our team includes assistant Tania 
and Akia Sadia, scriptwriter Brian Ariotto, and voiceover Yanni Harris. This episode was produced by Resonate Recordings. In tomorrow's episode, you will hear from Sandra Kornblatt about her journey to overcoming insomnia and helping others. Thank you.